ladies and gentlemen, it's Thirsty Thursday. Now, hey, if you are a uh, YouTuber, a lube tube, or whatever, Ray, it's time to sit down and talk yeah. turf because you know what? Our guy, Matt, he actually patched in. He did for a second, and he said, Ray, mm-hmm. he said he's batting cleanup, and I don't know what that means other than I don't think he's sitting fourth in the lineup, but it sounds like he is getting some, st- uh, some shit done tonight at the plant. They yes. are working overtime yes. to get some contracts filled. And you know what? Sometimes you got mm-hmm. a little work, a little OT, Ray, right? But we're that's here. That, that, that's right. We are here for sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this week will be interesting because we have, I think, I've got to think here. Uh, Daniel, the lawn stripes, was probably our first Ohio guy. I think this might only be our second. No, no, Dave. Dave, we had. So, yeah, we've got a, a pretty good run of Ohio guys. And we've got another one tonight from my home mm-hmm. state. We've got with us right. Mr. Backyard All Day Zach here from mm. da, 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 the Keep Off the Grass podcast, which is airs uh, Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern time on the tubes. Check it out. Keep Off the Grass on YouTube. We'll keep plugging that because it's a pretty darn good show. You guys, uh, you guys chop it up a little bit. Zach, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. Um, I mean, actually, since you mentioned it, I'm used to starting off a show by grabbing a glass. Hey, so, show gotta, us how you do it. Show us how you do it. You got to grab a glass. Keep All off right. the grass. All right. Cheers. <laughs> Ray's going to have uh, some but, uh, Italian roast coffee here. Actually, no, I, I've good. been good lately. No, I've been good lately. Oh, you swearing off the yeah. caffeine, Ray? You doing the well, you doing the tea shots and everything? You're gonna you're gonna get away from the caffeine for a little bit or what? Actually, it's uh, you know basically uh, I now have to uh, have the life of uh, almost like uh, I dare say it an underwear model. You know? <laughs> well, listen, there will be time to talk about underwear models later on in the after show because there is some tomfoolery. <laughs> going around in the underwear model space but for tonight uh you know zach i don't think identifies as an underwear model i think uh he's a regular dude just trying to keep it together young family big big yard too all right so listen lay it out for us for the folks that don't follow along with keep off the grass know who you are what you're all about you're coming into you know our uh our space here tell us about you tell us what you're doing where you're coming from and how long you've been at this to get to this point yeah, so I have, um, <clears throat> I live in the country, uh, mm-hmm. kind of the country. I'm still like two miles from uh, the town, uh, the main town. So we have an mm-hmm. acre property. I, um, it's, it's an acre property and it's about close to 40,000 square feet of grass. Wow. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I maintain wow. it all. Uh, I don't have irrigation. And uh, I've been here six years and I've always wanted a nice lawn. Right after moving in, the first week I was out there with a pull behind uh, sprayer, spraying weeds, blanket spraying the whole Ooh. thing. Uh, this guy. That's how I started off. And, uh, you know, it went from there. <laughs> so, like, where, but where did that come and then, from? And, you like, know, like, you, I mean, like, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, like, yeah, you know, so once you start making some progress, it's like satisfying. So, you know, it's like, okay, hey, this is cool. And then, you know, I had, uh, um, my wife was pregnant and she was, we were having our, 
or only. And so I had a diaper party. So we were, um, I had the lawn looking real nice and I had all my buddies over. We were playing beer pong, cornhole, mm-hmm. flip cup, all, all out in the yard. And everybody's just commenting, you know, how sweet it was. And, you know, after that, it was just like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 right. There is that all rush, right. man, of like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what, like how to describe it. I know Matt's talked about it before. I know Ray's talked about it before. Just like, it's not like an ego boost. It's not anything. It's just like, you know, hey, like this isn't easy to do and I did it kind of thing. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know. There's there's like that feeling of achievement. And especially when people recognize it, that's always cool. But like, so wait, so the first week you're in this new house and you're diving in spraying with a pool behind spray, like you didn't just like ascend to that level, like right off the bat, right? Like, were you taking care of, your lawn growing up or like what was like the impetus to get you to the point where you're like listen i'm gonna go in here new house and i'm gonna whip some ass like what got you to that <laughs> point preceding all this so i i grew up on six acres actually so i was used to yeah. a big property and uh, it was actually my dad's pull, it was my dad's pull behind sprayer i mean nothing like too crazy just uh you know it was like a 20 gallon you know was it northern tool or agrifab something like yeah. that and yeah, right, uh, right. so I was I was exposed to it before and, uh, you know, he helped me out. He brought it down here and, you know, we just kind of spent a couple of days. I had a bunch of ground clo- or um, ivy, ground ivy. Yep. And yes. uh, yeah, and and I really we really smoked that out first. And like just just seeing the satisfaction of those getting smoked out was like, damn, this is actually this is pretty cool. And, um, mm-hmm. then I just kind of got obsessed, just like maintaining the outdoors of my property. Like I like doing the landscaping. I like, um, I, I'm into my garden. I just, you know, just, mm-hmm. just get things to grow, you know, outside, no phones ringing, no work phones ringing. I can just, mm. I'll, I've always liked being outdoors. So just being outside, it gives me excuse to be outside and, you know, it's satisfying. Uh, dude, that's amazing. Cause uh, like. When we, uh, I'll be honest, like when we first started doing this, you know, Matt, Ray, and myself, it was kind of like, man, who the hell is going to want to hear us drone on about grass and growing shit and everything? Like, you know, it it was hard to know if people would care or not. And then we found out like stories just like yours where, you know, people use this as their outlet that it's, you know, it's their hobby. It's something that takes their mind off their every day. It's like, you know, and, and people like you enjoy like getting better at it and trying to find like that next thing that's going to, you know, take it to the next level. And I don't know, it's just, it's, it's wild to us that, you know, Hey, we, we sit here and just grind our dicks into the ground, you know, trying to get better and, and scratch by, and just get like a 10th of a percent better. Cause you know, we've done a lot, we've killed a lot. We've all collectively killed. I mean, square miles of grass at this point, right? <laughs> square, square miles of grass. But, um, I don't know. It's just, it's really cool. It's really powerful to see people like you that, uh, that get it going and go in the right direction. And then there's no stopping you. So that's really cool. All right. So you got- I'll tell you what, hang, can I interrupt uh, real quick? You can, you can. Go I apologize. Ahead. It's fascinating to me to hear the level of, uh, and I'm using this word because it's in, it's totally the incorrect word, uh, enjoyment, um, satisfaction uh, tranquility that comes with landscaping and lawn work because at least you know doing it from a career perspective um 
it induces a lot of anxiety. <laughs> it's so it's funny. It usually that, doesn't for me, Matt. It usually doesn't for well, me. It's like this is like I'm my pretty tense as movie. it is. Uh, I, you know, to, <laughs> to be honest, Ray, I, I wake up in the morning and the fact that my eyes open induces anxiety sometimes. So um, I may not be the the appropriate barometer to <laughs> to gauge here, but it's it's fascinating to. I, and I, I I will say this that there are definitely certain points in my career, or, or even on a yearly basis, right? Like round two, uh, when it's seventy degrees outside and you're out and you're spraying lawns, you've got the perfect wind. You can smell the the lake when you're on a lakefront property, and you hear the birds and things are blooming. I mean, it, it, you know, you get to experience that for six, eight weeks, ten weeks, however long it lasts, and that is. The satisfaction that comes at that moment of time in the year is irreplaceable. You cannot beat that. And it is everything is perfect until Miss Jones comes out and calls you the lawn boy. And then it starts all over again. Reality sets in. Right. But in that in that <laughs> moment of um, record suspension of. Yeah, it's just, it's just you know, it's a bit like a movie that we were talking about movies, right? And the the suspension of, of belief, the suspension of disbelief of, you know, you really feel like you're in almost like a movie-esque setting. So I guess that does make sense. I, I went into that to say it didn't make sense, and then I went completely full circle, and I get it now. So sorry. No, dude, you're fine. I, like I said, it, it's just it, it's cool connecting with people like this that want to get better. So that leads me into, you know, my next question is, okay, so you take this thing over six years ago, you're spraying out ground ivy, and you're seeing instant results and everything like that. And I think one of the the challenges, and that's why I'm, it's kind of cool that you're that far into it, right? A lot of people that we talk to that are DIYers are like a year or two in, whatever. Holy smokes! Well, well that was my bent grass experiments, but uh, we can get to that in a little bit if you want. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. But when you said you <laughs> that's, smoked that's it, fine. you really did smoke it. That's uh, no, that that was last year. That was this or yeah, last year. Okay. All right, so uh, I'm a big fan of fire, so I respect it, that. It's not the whole yeah. lawn; it's just like a. You know, like a I respect circle. that too. I respect That's that a... too because I literally pack a torch with me, and people, you know, they they're not alarmed when I bring pull it out. <laughs> they're not alarmed. <laughs> they're not alarmed. Oh, yep, they, there's they know. sweetheart. There's there's Ray out there with the propane torch again. No big deal. <laughs> just out here, yeah. dude. Huh? That that's respect <laughs> right out, there, Ray. That you. That, that, you can bring the out, uh, uh, raise out, yeah, raise out here incinerating something, so <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> well, apparently Zach is too, because you know, hopefully, I I really wish that there was like some video content of you, like you know, even though if you don't smoke or whatever, like flicking a cigarette and that like bursting the flames, <laughs> that would have been that would have been some good YouTube yeah. content right there for sure, some IG content. But right. uh, so you know, the the thing I was gonna say though is like six years deep, man, like you know, you start ascending up and you're taking big giant leaps at first, like just doing the basics. Right. But you get to a point probably where it's like, okay, Hey, you know, my gains are only like, you know, Hey, the lawn got 2% better this year, 5% better, whatever it is. So like, when did you start to feel yourself? Maybe I don't want to say hitting the ceiling, but like, okay, like what else can I do? Have you got to that point yet where it's like, okay, like I've got everything sort of figured out. I just need to fine tune things. Or are you still trying to figure out some of the bigger pieces? Do you think? Uh, I'd say this year is the best my soil test has looked as far as like um, after going at it. And I've, I've been going at it slowly. I haven't really been doing too many crazy things just because I actually don't have irrigation. So like I kind of limit 
I, I take things slow. And um, plus, like about what Matt was saying about stressing them out, which I would get that if you're a pro applicator. But I mean, I don't let this stress me out. I mean, it's it's fun. If I miss an application, I mean, it's my lawn. Screw it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, so I've just I, I've always like set my set my goals kind of lower so I can just slowly, you know, go at it. I mean, I really want to, I mean, my, my goal is that really nice lawn. So, but yeah, I feel like, um, I got my pH where I want it now. And this is the first year I have, uh, pretty close to where I want it. And, um, last year I actually, I, I fortunately, I didn't have many weeds that I had to spray out other than bank grass. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pre- I wouldn't say I'm at a ceiling by any means, but, okay. Uh, well, that's good. Some people feel like that too, man. It, it it just it comes out that way. So okay, so in the sense of the soil test, and you mentioned that, and Jay Pink will throw that up here in a, in a few minutes or whatever. But you know, talked about pH, like you know, where were you at when you started? And I noticed, you know, we, we looked at those very quickly uh, beforehand, and you were at like six eight, six six. I mean, you were in a really good spot. What did you do? Like, what was the thought process when you went into it, and how far have you moved that, and over what period of time? So, uh, maybe four years ago, I was at a seven, two or a seven, three. And, uh, my back and front yard, I kind of treat them differently, um, which we can get into that later. But, uh, I, um, every year I was hitting it with an app or two of, uh, elemental sulfur, normally just about three pounds, a thousand. Uh, I use some AMS. I did use some urea as well. Um, but, I used some AMS. Um, I used um, all SOP, uh, and I, yeah, I was just working on driving that down. And like uh, last year, I was at a seven, uh, a seven and a seven one, I believe. Or no, 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 no. I was at a seven and a six, six nine, uh, and uh, yeah, I got it down to I got it down a couple basis points. No, that's that. Listen, I think that's good, dude. I think that's, that's the impressive. kind of thing that. You- you got to take you got to take your shot there because you know Ohio Midwest soils. I mean, we're going to be high pH generally speaking. So when I saw those, that was one thing that jumped out to me. It was like, okay, like clearly he's doing something because you know it ain't coming out of the ground like that on its own uh, in uh, the area that you're in in Ohio. Really, like just about any part of Ohio in general, right? So, JP, why don't you throw this? Are soil they going test to be high? So- uh, yeah. Do, do you mostly yeah. see high? pH well, okay because yeah. I mean, you see lime in all the stores it's like you know to, to, oh, to buy elemental sulfur around here i had to go to i don't know if you know what midwood is um but i had to go there uh you know it's it's a, it's a farm store right here local but i mean yeah i couldn't find mm-hmm. it's lime everywhere so it's like i was always wondering i'm like man is my you know are my readings bad like why do i got higher ph <laughs> soils and then no you're fine you're fine dude you're fine uh, you're fine because uh... right tell i mean that's that's a thing you know everywhere Mm -hmm. in the midwest and i mean you guys you guys were talking about this on your soil testing show uh what was that last week not this this most recent one but the week before i think it was and you know Mm -hmm. the whole idea of oh we're gonna throw some lime on that and sweeten up that soil like what the hell does that even mean right Mm -hmm. where i mean do you know any have any idea of where that whole idea of lime and sweetening the soil and all this other bullshit came from okay it it came from this old uh, 
farmer thing of they would literally taste their dirt, Brian. Okay, they taste their dirt, <laughs> and if it if it was like tart or astringent, you know, they'd they'd consider it acid, and so after liming, that astringency or acidity would be reduced to a degree. Because what, they're, yeah. what the old term for an acidic soil was, they called it a sour soil, right? So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's where that came came from. And likewise, for me, mm-hmm. do you know how hard it is for me to find 90% sulfur prill where I'm at, even though I'm sitting on top of ground that's pH 7.5 everywhere or almost everywhere? It's tough, and, well, and yet... And everywhere in the, like, the hardware stores and, uh, you know, even the, some of the, a lot of the specialty shops, what do I see? I see bags of dolomite lime and calcium lime. And I'm like, what the hell? I mean, because I've even seen some guys that fall into that mist too of got to sweeten the soil and they're throwing down dolomite on a high magnesium soil that is already over ph7 ryan oh i believe Can you imagine I mean, zach this <laughs> is no lie like here in ohio i i literally got into a screaming match and i'm not a screamer by nature but of <laughs> a contractor that has done this for a long time right mm-hmm. and i i expect <laughs> i expect for a, a sports field here in ohio because the, the ph was like oh seven eight seven nine I mean, it was way up lord there. And <laughs> bare soil, so you know we expect. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna till in ninety percent sulfur. And there's, uh, if you're ever looking for it, I you know I'm not pushing anybody's product by any means, but Tigrasol, which you can get at site one, fine mm-hmm. product. Tigrasol uh, ninety. I was gonna yep. ask you about that actually because I saw that on your fertilizer logbook that you gave us the other week. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Tiger, Tigrasol, and that was on there. And and uh-huh. I'm seeing actually I filled that sheet out today for my last year apps actually. Oh but, really? Uh, I uh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I saw that and I'm like, man, it looks like a pretty cool product. And yeah, it's 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 kind of it's not pelletized. It's like a they're like little chips almost is what they look like. Yeah. And you'll you'll see that they carry it at site one uh, typically, so it's pretty easy to pick up nationally. And uh, for your for some of your compatriots there on the KOTG folks, they are uh, they're an Iowa based company, or they were. They got bought out a, uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago. But uh, family run company built out of uh, Iowa, and uh, yeah, pretty good stuff. If you're if you're into that kind of thing. But so going back to this whole thing was, uh, you know, this guy said, "Oh well, I've never sulfur. Like, why would you put sulfur on this?" I said, "Well, you need to lower the pH." Well. The only thing that works on pH is lime. And I, you know, I had to do the face palm and I'm like, you got to oh, be kidding me. Like, you really, yeah, are you yeah. serious right now? Really? And then, uh, you know, they go, it, it goes into this whole thing of, hey, we're going to put this down. We're going to lower the pH. And this guy just lost his mind. He he was beside himself. And so it worked out. Everything went great. And, you know, we, we had several conversations about it over the course of it. But yeah, I think it's something that uh, element of sulfur either freaks people out or it, uh, it it gets their panties in a bind for whatever reason because they're they're not used to having to drop pH and don't understand that. So clearly, you recognize though that there were you know measures that you needed to take and you had opportunities to do so, and uh, it's definitely working. So 
kudos to you on the on the ph thing that's something you gotta stay at it though you can't you know it's you're the the yeah. parent material of soil that you're on is not going to be kind on uh, keeping that down there so but that's interesting how just real quick how old is the home like how long's the lawn been in there roughly you had a guess uh it's 79 like oh, okay. i mean that's so when the property the homes the homes kind of like newer than that but like uh i think it's 79 it so okay yeah well and so speaking of that like I, I i i definitely have done some heavy overseeding but i do have a good midwest mix i'd say i, I don't have one grass type for sure i've i've never done a complete full reno so it's definitely That's, still hey, some of the old my stuff man in there. my man the old potpourri of cool season grasses whatever listen there there's a, a a motto in the country especially in that part of ohio right is like and it's probably it probably is that way there too is like um my wife grew up not far from where you are maybe an hour or so away and uh man everybody out in the country it's cool season blend of whatever's green i mean it's weird and um they will go out and mow it down with a tractor down to like an inch and a half and just it, it it looks bomb when they mow it, but it's just so short and they it's whatever's out there, it's like a mess if you really look at it up close. But man, they love doing it. They they take so much pride in that. So uh so let me ask you this real quick on on that piece, like of being is your lawn like recognized? Or are they like, holy shit, like look at Zach's lawn. Does everybody like drive past and you're like, dude, what do you do to your lawn? <laughs> well, I mean, there's only, you know, my neighbors they're not that close. I am in the country. Right. So, you know, I'm not on like a, I'm not in a neighborhood. I'm on a, I'm on like a busy country road is what you kind of could say. And, uh, I don't know. I have a farmer who like owns all the fields around me right across the street. He lives and he's always, he's always asking what the hell I'm doing, <laughs> but he, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he thinks it's cool. They, uh, actually my neighbor, one of them just moved in and he hired true green two years ago. And I'm like, Oh man, that was my dream. Like I'm ready to go with this. Like that was, I was so hyped, but then he never had him keep, I think he just had him come for one app and that was it. So. <laughs> oh man. The old one, the old one and done, like not even, uh, not even going to commit to it. They didn't, didn't want to take that relationship to the next level. Huh? That's unfortunate. No. You know, it was, it was, it was a first a one, date, a one okay. app stand, a one, a one yeah, app stand was, Ray. And that was it. You know, it's just a first date and it's like, it, it won't be a repeat. I mean, next, I mean, I, and kudos to the neighbor for keeping it at that, you know, kudos to the neighbor because, uh, as you know, I'm rather critical of that whole you know, <laughs> scenario of marketing versus actual good practice. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's, you know, generally what some of those things have become, uh, you know, that not just them, but others were, you know, it's a marketing company that also does lawn applications and it is what it is. So, but you got guys like Zach here that take, you know, matters into their own hands and you know, go about their business. So, so let's, let's pull that soil test back up. I want to look at that a little bit deeper because I'm always a sucker for a good Ohio soil test. J pink. Oh, look at this guy. He's on it. He's on it. All right. So this is the, this front, is yard. the front yard. Okay. Wonderful. 
so you know the a couple of things uh number one the organic matter are you are you doing any type of like biochar stuff any any like top dressing anything like that that's and that number is indicative to me of like a uh a sample of a yard that's a little bit older a little bit more mature maybe but i was just curious if you guys are doing anything might be a little bit different uh no biochar last year um i did put some biochar the year before but however okay my last year my organic matter was a 5.2 um on my front yard this past season i did yeah this on my front and why i think what attributes to that is uh last season i i have a 52 inch pull behind lawn sweeper and i was actually picking up most of my clippings because i was kind of trying to use that as a strategy for the bent grass um you know i don't know if that makes sense mm-hmm. or not it was just i was going all out and uh so <laughs> i did be- i did take away a lot of my clippings last season okay yeah and and that'll contribute a little bit to- towards it and you know collecting clippings for sure you'll see that uh you know potentially go down a little bit i think uh you know just good, good sound agronomic practices too will drive that number down so if you're not over fertilizing right or if you're not uh you know cutting um you know too much off at one time like there's things that we can do right to manage that ray from a agronomic and a physiological standpoint right 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 i mean the ease off on the on the end you know mow but don't uh scalp and you can maintain that organic matter because for me what i consider acceptable organic matter in soil is as low as between two and three percent and yeah it's above two if it's above i start to think do we need to sand cap (laughs) (laughs) in ohio soil i don't feel so i don't feel so bad about that but go ahead go ahead zach well I, I, I know we're on the front yard right now, but and we can come back to it. But since you're talking about that yeah. now, how do you feel about this? I feel like the organic matter. I know people like, you know, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like if I had full irrigation, could time everything, was doing every app I could, I could see that that, you know, that could be an issue because, you know, disease and pressure with the organic matter, um, holding water, stuff like that. Yep. However, mm-hmm. you know. I calculated my apps where on my backyard last year, I only put down 2.8 pounds of N and that's great. You know, I calculated, awesome. I, I calculated that I'd probably be getting about uh three fourths a pound per thousand on my back from my organic matter. So, mm-hmm. you know, I let it go. And I think with me not irrigating my back lawn, it didn't go dormant. It was green all year. And I think, I don't know. I mean, you you tell me if this makes sense. Like maybe that it, it like held on to that water actually kind of helped me in that type of situation. Uh, yeah, I think an unirrigated, you're fine. I think you know the situation that people get themselves in trouble to. Like this, you're the way you're set up in the management regime that you're under is like perfect for do, less is more. And I think Ray would tell you the same thing. Like if you were irrigated and you were making constant apps. Like that's a recipe to get yourself into organic matter and or thatch hell pretty quickly. Uh, it, 
that all being said, like in your situation, here's what's working for you. Older established lawn, right? So like your estimated nitrogen return every year is going to be exceedingly high, right? And especially if you have a wet, you know, wet summer and or just timely rains like we have in this you know, particular area of the country and part of Ohio, you're going to be just fine, right? If you dried out for a long period of time, something like that, like you're not going to get the same nitrogen release that you would under a normal summer, but it's not the end of the world. I'd rather have it a little bit drier, let it go dormant, do its thing, right? It's been accustomed to that and it's been trained to do that, right? So all those things are working for you. And I think with you being judicious with the inputs, right? I, I seriously, like I lodge your efforts because everything I've learned from you on your podcast and everything that I've heard so far and what I see in the results so far has been one of restraint, which is Ray and I will tell you, Sometimes the best thing and the hardest thing to do is nothing, right? It's just to wait yes. and, hey, I'm going to stick to this plan. Yeah. I know I could do something and it would feel good and I'd feel accomplished and it'd be kick-ass to, you know, go out and push something through the spreader and have that feeling of like, yeah, man, I just made that app. Like, okay, but did you really do anything important? Did you really make a difference? No, not really. And that's – I'm telling you, man, like that – that's uh, – that's and i'm not trying to blow smoke i'm saying like that's pro level stuff that is the kind of thing that pros do they know hey i could do something here right and we trust me we're guilty of it too we're guilty just as much of the okay like i see something out here i don't know what it is i'm gonna go spray six fungicides (laughs) and hopefully i kill it like we've all done that before right ray like yeah and then you come back three days later and like oh man I, i nuke that thing and then the fourth day you come back and it's like all over everywhere and you're like well shit i i i but no you didn't do anything no you just wasted no you just wasted you just all wasted that money a shit ton of money yeah shit ton of money gone okay i mean that's that that's, you know that feeling zach when you're driving like 85 past a cop that's the feeling that morning you walk out that fourth day and you're like oh fuck like yeah yeah that didn't get it Crap. that's not good that didn't that's not good that didn't do it I mean that didn't do it. I mean that's uh that's <sighs> where you know I see people doing this where they keep on doing doing and overdoing but in all of that doing and overdoing they're not actually mm-hmm. stepping back and analyzing what the problem actually is and addressing it. And and, and- and I think that's a valuable think, skill. We've talked about that before on this show, how Ray, like just figuring out what's going on. So like, you know, it, it sounds kind of dumb, right? But, uh, you know, a couple of different ways you can go about this and we'll, we'll dive into a little bit deeper, but on like, let's just say diseases, right? For example, you know, we take that mm-hmm. shouldn't have as many on an unirrigated lawn necessarily. And you also have enough species diversity, hopefully, to cover that up now your big patches of bent grass eh, maybe not so much but that you know <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's where i'd be like hey disease run its course do what you, you know we got pythium in the yeah, bent do grass what you gotta do hell let, let okay. me go out here and water yeah. that real quick let me uh, let me let me get that going a little bit burnt you know put some gasoline on the fire there but you know as far yeah, as that goes questions, where, actually can you induce pythium I, on the bent grass you know oh, like oh, if, like oh. If, like no 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 like one year i was like I saw some um, some disease on my bent grass, like a patch, and I'm like, I'm just gonna let it go. Like, yeah, <laughs> totally fine. That was that was totally mm-hmm. fine. 
Yeah, no, that's yeah, totally I've, fine. That's totally fine. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's all right. Okay. That's all right. I mean, and even for myself, I can tell you, Ryan, I've seen this succession where imagine this: all of these selected varieties of Caesar Pespalum and selected varieties of Zoisha. Guess what those areas turn into? When What's that? inputs are drastically reduced. What's that? It all turns back to common Bermuda. <laughs> it all turns back into well, common Bermuda. Well, I'm not going to say that, that doesn't <laughs> exist in the part of, uh, of uh, Ohio where Zach is, but we'll talk about his Bermuda in, in a little bit here because I'm excited about this part. But, Ray, yeah, go, that's let's exciting to me too. Real quick. Mm-hmm. Ray, I want you to, uh, to wax poetically here for a second about you know the the p and k part of uh zach's soil test because you know i personally don't see anything super concerning but like let's just talk about like in his sense first of you know p and k what do you see and then if you can help the folks at home that are probably in the same situation say acreage and unirrigated you know what is the what's the playbook in your mind for p and k applications maybe around where he's at or even a little bit lower again bigger acreage and on unirrigated what are your thoughts on that okay my my thoughts on this are are because you're doing a non-irrigated lower input lot my counsel is you don't need to add any you actually have more than adequate amounts of both p and k i mean you literally have soil that I'm drooling over right now because you're not phosphorus deficient, you're not potassium deficient, and your pH is basically under control. I mean, I consider anything under 7.2 under control. And so your actual nutrient management program will basically center around giving the grass nitrogen when the grass actually can best utilize it and in a form that is the most efficient. And so what that means is you're looking at a late summer, early fall nitrogen fertilizer program. And what I call that and Ryan laughs at me a little bit sometimes, is I call that making sure the grass goes to bed in the winter well-fed so that come springtime, all you have to do is just watch the grass wake up because it's been well-fed in the winter, you know, through the winter. And so all of those nutrient reserves are there in the grass, stored away, and when it warms up again and the sun comes back out, your grass is ready to go. You don't need to think about all of this nonsense. Oh, be early with your fertilizer applications. Meh. You know, you don't need to get sucked into that because what Ryan likes to say is the fiscal year for turf grass growing in the Midwest is literally like after summer. Okay, after summer, fall. I mean, the most important time of the year is actually fall. It is not spring. I mean, and 
based on what he's told me about the growth patterns of grass in that region, the last thing I'd be doing is throwing down all kinds of stuff on the grass in the spring. And the reason why I wouldn't do it is because in the case of these so-called organic and slow-release fertilizers, the time that they'd be most likely to release nitrogen is exactly when you don't want it. And that time that you don't want a lot of nitrogen on a, on a cool season grass is in the middle of the summer heat and humidity. I actually want nitrogen levels to be fairly low at that time, and I'd only want to ramp that up uh, after September, for example. You know, get that fall feeding in, and then that way the grass has its reserves built up over the winter, and you don't need to worry. So yep. let me ask you this. What does your current fertilizer program look like? Uh, this year, I don't necessarily have it. I, I just got my soil test back actually yesterday um, <laughs> when I sent it in. So I have a lot of stuff on hand. Um, so, you know, I'm looking, you know, I have, uh, I have about everything on hand, to be honest with you. <laughs> So um, I, I still putting that together. I was hoping you guys would help me out tonight. You know, yeah. uh, oh, I, I got to. We're going to help you out. <laughs> oh yeah, I got to. We're, we're going to help you out. I have <laughs> last year. I have an elevator down the road. I scooped up a bunch of twenty one oh oh when it was way cheaper. Yes. I don't know the exact price, <laughs> but you scoop it. You scoop it yourself. Uh, it's right down here, literally a mile down the road. I scooped a bunch of that. I have some. Uh, I have some 24011 uh, mm -hmm. urea. Um, I have some uh, K mag, uh, yeah. and yeah. then I and I have some uh, got some 1608. Mm -hmm. uh, I got an 1804. I got I got a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. lined up so. Listen, we're here. We're you know. here for uh, whether you want to whether you want to go buy some new stuff. You know, you don't like what's in your closet, and you want to get some you know some new threads. We can do that, or we can do the inventory liquidation, right? Where you get rid of everything, and we'll give you a plan on how to do that. So we're we're equal opportunity <laughs> here. It's no big deal. Yeah. I enjoy I enjoy the, uh, the inventory liquidation ones. Those are always fun. Where you know you just try to figure out the best way to use up a whole bunch of extra shit. And not necessarily get rid of it, but again, use it the best way you can and then kind of get yourself into uh, some new stuff. But not a bad time to be hoarding a whole bunch of fertilizer. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this is this will be the year where if you've got bags and bags of uh, 16 or something and uh, you got like hundreds of pounds of ammonium sulfate 21 o hanging around you are in very good shape you know you are in very good shape considering certain you know circumstances because uh i know we talked about it on burn and return but my projection is that come fall fertilizer season mm -hmm. things might not be too good yeah right things might be going kind of serious. yeah living a mile living a mile down the road from the elevator and being able to pretty much get what you need because they shouldn't run out there where you are right especially mm -hmm. 
in the area you're in and what surrounds you, right? There's a lot of farms, right? There's a lot of yeah, there's better. a lot of agriculture. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I just think you're going to have very, very limited choices in the marketplace. And so having having ammonium sulfate and just roll, rolling with that, I mean, let's look at the backyard real quick because, like, I, don't, I didn't see anything appreciably different on there. I just want to make sure my eyes didn't deceive me. And we can take a look there, too, and just see from a nutrient standpoint and a, uh, a fertilizer standpoint. Oh, uh, oh this is yeah. nice. This is, this is nice, Ryan. I mean, this is, this is another one where I told him, You'd be good with some ammonium sulfate feeding it through the fall until, you know, bedtime and you're good. <laughs> you're good because this yeah. is like beautiful soil, really beautiful soil. <laughs> Seriously. The, and, and, you know, the thing that you can tell is even at, even at seven two, this wouldn't be bad soil to grow in. But the fact that you have done the work on the pH you know, is going to be in your favor. And it's also, you know, in your benefit to continue to use the ammonium sulfate to counteract, you know, the effects of the parent hell material yeah. of that soil. So, yeah, hell yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. do not DM. So, hey, real question uh, while we're on this one, that, ex- sure. mm-hmm. that exchangeable hydrogen, is that low? And what is that? And what does that mean? Ray, go for it. Okay. All exchangeable hydrogen means is that relates to the pH and the pH in relation to the other cations, you know, the calcium, magnesium, potassium, etc. And in this case, because you've been treating with sulfur, uh, you know, your exchangeable hydrogen is naturally going to be a little different, but the number that I track, and I, you know, I pay attention to this above all else, is what I want on a soil test at all times is a fairly accurate soil pH reading. Like, I don't want the sample hydrolyzed or subject to redox reactions between your house and the lab. Uh, because let me ask you this, this particular lab, do they ask for a dry sample in a bag? Is that what they ask you for? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They, okay. They, okay. I, I don't know if it take says plugs, dry or not. Plugs, I'm not sure if it says dry. So they, they oven dry it, Ray. So yeah, it's a, it's a typical sample. And the one thing that I do appreciate about Logan labs is that they make you set, specify a sample depth on your uh, submission form, whereas a lot of others don't. On the the submission sheet, because I'm imagining that they also calibrate your results according to your sampling depths, because if you are taking samples that are, say, extremely deep, that is not a fair representation of what the grass is getting either because depending on conditions, would you say that it's a fair thing to assume that grassroots are most active in the first six inches of soil? Yeah. You know, that, that, that's a fair statement so, because uh, on conversely, I mean, if you're talking about something like an apple tree, 
those roots go deep. So that's a little different. Yeah. But then this is only grass. <laughs> what were you going to say there, Zach? Uh, so every year I've taken the sample at six inches. And this mm-hmm. year I have no rhyme or reason why, but I just decided to do four. I just wanted to change it up. And, uh, you know, I put a clamp at the bottom of my uh, probe and it just kind of seemed to go a lot quicker. Sometimes I wouldn't pull up a complete six. So I don't know. I was just going around. And so I did four inches on this test you're looking at here, but every other one I've done six. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's been similar results. I mean, but like just saying, I don't let, let you know I did four here. Kudos to you mm-hmm. for not being a size queen, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, hang on. I'm going to send this over to you. get the six. <laughs> How wide was your probe, though? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's actually. So hey, with my yeah, CECs, speaking of that, like with my CECs, I don't know yeah. what you guys think if they're like high or not, but like, I mean, I can stick my probe in balls deep. I mean, uh, of course. So I don't. Yeah, I mean, and the... it and it doesn't. Yeah. What's that? Well, no, okay. nothing, nothing. It doesn't do. It doesn't. You don't feel any resistance, is what you're saying. No, and I just, I, I don't know. I was always on the impression, like, if you were, like, over 10 CEC, you know, it's, so I always wondered if something was weird with my test there. And so I, um, but yeah, it's it's not like that. It's, it's I don't have puddles, you know. Uh, so it's not, it's not high. It's, just, it's not exceedingly high. It's not exceedingly high. And, you know, what, you know, the relationship there, generally speaking, right, is that, you know, clay is the finest particle in soil that we have. Silt is the next size up, sand's the next size up from that, right? So if we were going to, um, you know, think about these proportionally in the space of soil, think about it like, uh, you know, sand is like a medicine ball, uh, silt would be like a tennis ball, and um, clay is like a BB, like a little tiny BB. Like that's the relative proportion, generally speaking, right? So, you know, there's more sites when we pack a lot of BBs together versus a lot of tennis balls, right? That's more particles in one given space right so uh in terms of uh exchange capacity and things like that there's more sites for that to take place when we have a heavy clay soil so it's not necessarily always indicative of the physical properties of the soil but you can get a reasonably good idea right because in sand right we have fewer sites less uh uh holding capacity right within those cations and so that uh, that kind of gives you at least some sense of what's going on you know, what would be interesting if you ever wanted to go down that route, I want to say it's like 30, 40 bucks from Logan Labs is, uh, you know, doing a, a physical analysis, right? So a sand, silk, clay, you know, there's the old jar texture. test, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Texture, texture analysis. analysis. Mm-hmm. It's not going to give you like unlock any secrets necessarily. It's just one of those things that's nice to know and kind of go from there. But uh, it's a good question for sure. Um, and I think on the sampling depth, Jay Pink, can you queue up that? That there you go. So this is uh, courtesy of uh, our good friend Dr. Bill Kreuzer, formerly of the University of Nebraska Lincoln, now uh, of uh, runs the Greenkeeper app, and a couple of other companies out there in Lincoln, Nebraska. So this is a really important thing to look at here in terms of like how deep do you sample, right? So look at the depth, you know, relative to what you're going to get on your sample on a Mailer three sample. So you go from zero to six. You know, we're talking about almost half, right, in terms of the difference between zero to two versus zero to six. So, you know, number one is sampling to consistent depth each time. 
So six inches is fine. You just have to understand like where that relates to your overall soil test results, right? And then number two is, um, you know, think about where we typically sample in agriculture is six inches, right? Uh, that's a very easy thing for them to calculate on a uh, on the basis of um, how much soil is there and then calculating your pounds per acre. Uh, I won't go into the math and everything like that, but if you specified four inches on your on your soil test and if you sampled at four inches, all those calculations that you see on that test are accurate. If you sampled at um, six inches and you marked four inches down, then it's going to dilute your sample. You're going to have major problems in trying to correlate the data to what's actually being there for, and flip it around. You, you would, uh, you know, sweeten the pot. You pour it, you'd have a strong soil test if you did it the other way around. So all that being said is, you know, your depth. I'm glad that you made that a point. I think you guys even put a little short out on your podcast about the proper depth. I thought that was good. So, you know, so given the people, the information they need, gentlemen, the depth's always important, right? Ray, Sheila knows that. Absolutely. Yes, sure does. She sure does. That, that she's a good woman too for it. All right, so you know, on the on the front of nitrogen, Ray, where do you land on on these couple soil tests? Let's talk about nitrogen real quick. And the products you have available, I didn't hear anything in there that gives me great pause uh, in terms of you know whether you should or shouldn't use it. I mean, there's going to be. Uh, it sounds like uh, I don't think there's any phosphorus in any of the ones that you mentioned. Is that correct? You know, nothing. I didn't, I didn't and I do to note. Mm-hmm. I do irrigate my front a little bit. Like I do have, I do, I do manually irrigate. Like when it gets hot, summer months, I will from my front only. Water, but like that's just like very little. But I mean, I'm just mm-hmm. throwing that out there. I'm not gonna let it. Yeah, that's go not, dormant. Yeah, that. Yeah, that, yeah, that that's not a huge concern from a fertility standpoint. But Ray, what do you think here? You know, given. What he's got, he's got a couple, you know, a couple of products at twenty four oh eleven. I want to say is like a typically it's like a forty percent slow release product, you know, with mm-hmm. uh, PCSU. So, you know, what would your strategy be on the all mineral products like the twenty one double zero, and then going into some of the other products he's got like the sixteen oh eight and the twenty four zero eleven. Some of those ones where they do have a slow release component. Knowing he's unirrigated too, so it's not going to be like he's jacking this up with water and it's going to just blow up on him, and then he's out there right. in the middle of summertime and just fucked with disease pressure. Well, the the thing is, is that if you have some, one of those, you know, slow release lawn type applications, uh, if needed, I would look at that as the spring fertilization, with the understanding that. You apply enough of it early enough so that by the time summer rolls around, that nitrogen, slow-release nitrogen is kind of, you know, tapering off. And then, for me, I'm a big fan of, in the fall, hitting cool season grasses with straight ammonium sulfate. And the reason why I like it is because... The ammonium sulfate is instantly available and all of it releases. And so I know what I'm getting out of it at that time because my thought would be to have a half to three quarters of a pound of in part of it, maybe a slow release lawn type fertilizer 
with some potassium in the spring and then mm-hmm. in the late summer going into fall half pound applications of in uh totaling two pounds of in until the last uh two or three weeks of grass growth just uh late feet you know readily available feedings up until the time that the grass is ready to go dormant with the yeah. ams yeah and and just i uh, I, I agree put it to bed full Put it to bed full, yeah. Please. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know how much you've watched Zach, but the the one thing I always say here, especially in the Midwest, Northeast, Mid Atlantic, is that you know our fiscal year for grass starts on September one, right? Like that's the time that we really need to start the growing calendar and and look at our fertilizer programs as opposed to a spring start, right? Because if you look at you know, let me let me go through it here real quick. I gotta have my I need my. Uh, See Throw here. up your growth curve. <laughs> yeah, shoot, growth, growth, growth. Yeah, put up that Grass. growth curve because. Uh, so yeah, go ahead, Ray. Yeah, because the truth is, is that what your grass looks like in the spring and early summer relates a lot to how diligent you were on that starting in that September one date for. Ohio, I mean, Ryan's totally right. Uh, fiscal year starts September 1. I mean, that's uh and unfortunately it's it's like it's like uh on the other hand, let's put it this way. I think spring fertilization especially trying to make up for not feeding correctly in the in the fall. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like turning in your taxes on April twenty first. <laughs> Listen, I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say it in a way we can all all understand it, Ray. Listen, if you can't if you can't get the floor play right and you try to make up for it during the main event, I don't know, man. No, I don't know if that's gonna work. No, oh, I just don't know. I don't. I don't think. I don't you think gotta, so. And, and you gotta go you hard to paint from the at, jump. Yeah, and you know what I'm looking at on that growth chart, Ryan? I'm looking yes, at sir. how much root growth you can promote in the fall. Because it seems to me yep. that root growth is peaking in the fall. And so mm-hmm. I would imagine that in order to encourage that root growth, I would want to be feeding in the fall during that peak root growth to get the roots strong because it seems like your root growth potential in the spring is a little bit different because the grass is wanting to push so much top growth and vertical growth correct so let's let's walk it it through (laughs) here on a Mm -hmm. on a midwestern nitrogen plant on an unirrigated site right and Mm -hmm. i've dealt with plenty of this you know in my time in uh, the golf course and sports setting and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I've, I've tried and failed it. Uh, I'm not going to say every single approach, but a lot of them. And uh, so here's, here's what I can tell you, right. Is that if you look at this, right. So this is uh, depicting 
or shoot growth and root growth, right? And so what we notice here is what we have is called a bimodal growth curve, meaning it goes up twice and comes down twice, okay? And so again, if we're going to start in that September timeframe, right, right where our line crosses from summer into fall, you notice a surge of top growth and we notice a surge of root growth at this time. So if you're telling me that you're at 2.8 pounds, right? And let's just call it three for easy math. On your backyard. Okay. What about the front? Yeah, I'm a little more in like the three and a half in, I would say. You dirty dog. You dirty dog. (laughs) I would say two and a half of that though was applied in the fall. Yeah. My reference earlier, you know, about. Yeah. that's, 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 That's a good man, but yeah. You're giving the front a little bit more attention in the back. I'm learning a lot about you today, Zach. It's a lot. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm cold backyard so... all day, man. Depends on how beefy always, your backyard is, though, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And, and I always say, uh, you know, business in the front, party in the rear. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go, Ray. All right. So... All right. We're 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 in September. We're trying to push root growth. So I love that idea that you're trying to get you know, two thirds, let's just say 66% of that nitrogen out in that time between September one. And in your area, I would say, you know, roughly Halloween. Okay. And the reason I say that, and we've talked about it on here before, but a ton of good research out of, uh, university of Wisconsin Madison, where, you know, they found that, uh, the uptake of that nitrogen in our climate, right. In our Midwestern climate begins to slow down precipitously through the months of, you know, through the end of September into October and especially in November. So even though you're putting it out and even though people would say, oh man, you got to put a winterizer down like Thanksgiving, the grass is literally taking up less than 10% of that nitrogen. So dumb from an economic perspective, dumb from an environmental perspective, you don't need to do it. That time frame, that eight week time frame from again, September one to Halloween, that's the go zone, right? That's where you can be out and in your case, timing it up with a rain as best you can, throwing ammonium sulfate out there, try to get a half a pound out to get four apps out, you're fine. Like that's, it, it seems like you're pushing it, but you are pushing it. The whole point here is we're trying to r- drive as much root growth as we can. Now, coming into the spring, if you, you know, here where we are now, it sounds like you've got a great foundation set. You started your fiscal year off right. So now we're coming into springtime. And what do we have happening now? Your grass is probably just starting to green up. Maybe you've done a mow or two. And you've got a big flush of growth that's on the horizon, right? So a couple of things that you can do, uh, some of them are easier than others, but let's talk about those. Number one, from an end perspective, I wouldn't be ready to go so hard in the paint. I would let that fall and ride out a little bit longer. And especially in an irrigated situation, I'd be looking like mid-May, something like that. And then you can use that slow release. And I'm not so concerned, Ray, about having slow release out in this situation because he's unirrigated. And he's probably not going to get flushes of growth that are crazy. Like if he had uh, HOA or an irrigation system set on the HOA setting where it's like, you mm. know, 20 minutes a day, seven days a week. Right. That's, twice a day. That's even. the kind of twice a day. Even. Twice a day. Yeah, I've seen that. that the twice, seen the, that. The twi- <laughs> twice a day of getting it soaking wet. That's the Telly Coleman setting. You got to have a special irrigation system for that. But <laughs> I digress. So, um, in this case, right, you know, the, the spring end, I'd be waiting to hold off until May. Use that slow release. Get yourself like another, you know, pound or so out there during that time of, say, mid-May and maybe another bump, you know, middle of summer. It's not going to hurt you to put slow release out on an unirrigated lawn mid-summer. You're not going to have a huge surge of growth. Half a pound, no more. 
you're fine. You know, that's what the grass is going to need to grow because you're continuing to consume nitrogen at a much faster rate. Like your growth potential goes up. We didn't do your growth potential curves for you. Uh, I'll see if I can punch that in here in a few minutes and we can talk about that too, about uh, the growth potential model and how you can use that to your benefit. The other thing that I would consider that might be some next level shit, right? So look at this curve and on the springtime, look how much the top growth is surging, right? Relative to root growth. So we're always giving up one of these at the expense of the other. So meaning that we're if we're growing more shoot growth here, we're giving up root growth at the same time. Same thing over here, less top growth, more root growth, okay? So think about this left side, right side, how that looks. You can manipulate these things too to your advantage. And what I mean by that is in the springtime, you get that old northern tool pull behind sprayer. Have you ever played around with PGR, Zach? Have you ever considered it? I've considered it, but... But, I don't know. I don't know if uh, uh, with, with a with a pull behind with a pull behind. I don't know if I could do an accurate application. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could be dead on a, with the pull behind. So, is it a boom uh, spray? Is it a boom I, I, or is I it boomless? Um, it's. Uh, is it have one it's, nozzle? It's or has. Is, it's, does it have it, a, no, it's got a boom. It's, it's got, got a boom. boom. It's got a. It's okay. got a boom and for. Uh, However, the booms are on those home consumer. Pull behind sprayers are unfortunately uh, kind of low quality flood jet nozzles. Come That's on, man! Favorite. You gotta let them live, Ray. Let them live. It's what That's he's got. Well, <laughs> well, but then the but then that's a legitimate concern because when you're talking about PGR use, the effect of the PGR is to a, a large degree also rate dependent and if you're light in part of your pattern that's the area that's not going to get regulated as much and then when you're heavier on the other part of the pattern that's where the grass is going to be in the shut up mode you know <laughs> not growing well so yeah not growing so well, do you have that sprayer on property? Like, is that yours now, or is it still at your? I, I don't, place? I don't actually. But I'm, 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 I'm looking oh. into getting one. I kind of want to get one a little more commercial though than that. Something mm, I, I, I could use. I'll but I mean, I would link. just, I would just need to. I, I don't know if I'd want to. I, I, I walk this property with my four gallon uh, sprayers plus. I mean, I, I do that. Are you serious? I've done. Yeah, I'll, I'll refill for my backyard. So, it takes me two or three, two or three refills. And um, I, I I did it a couple times last year with uh, some twenty 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 and uh, twenty twenty twenty. That was probably the only thing I I walked. Well, that's hardcore. So then uh, a couple of things. Uh, you know, the thing I when I look at your backyard, I think that would be awesome. You know, not necessarily right now this year or whatever evolved to it, but I would love to see like little you know like test plots out there because like it's set up perfect to where you could like section some of this stuff off and like. I know you guys, you know, talk to a bunch of different companies and stuff like that. And it'd be cool to like, hey, like, here's this treatment over here back by the tree. And then on the other side of the shed, the garage over there, you know, on that side, we're doing this treatment. And here's the differences in the grass. I don't know if you're into that, like of having stuff looking different and everything like that. But, man, that'd be kind of cool to, to split it up and, and do a little, you know, science for a project. But anyway, back to the growth regulator thing. Even if you just do it with a backpack sprayer, I think trying a section out like maybe commit to that of just try a section out this spring and see what the difference is you know you're uh, one i think you're going to see a huge reduction in uh clippings right 
you know, we all go through that spring flush here in the Midwest where it's just like you can't cut it enough. You're mowing out, you know, out there three, four days a week, just trying to keep up with the shit. And it's like a two or three week long, you know, surge of growth. You won't have that. And all that energy that would be going up for shoot growth is now going to go down for root growth. And so that's a whole process we call uh, pre-stress conditioning, right? So we're trying to get the plant to use its energy in the most productive and efficient way heading into summer where we know roots are going to die back because of soil temperatures, because of physiological processes in the plant, all those things. And it's actually a benefit right to the turf. So even if you just do a small area, I, I would be interested. Have uh, You need to get uh, Oli Pool to hook you up and send you a little vial of some uh, some uh, Teenex or something like that. Oli, if you're listening, help this man out. Get him some chemicals, he, he, please. He did send me an ounce yeah. of uh, he sent me an ounce of Pilex last year. So <laughs> Look at this guy. Oh, yeah. I think we'll this be guy. all right. He spreads the yeah. He spreads the wealth. He spreads the wealth. Yeah, you know yeah, because I I think if you were to test out or evaluate on like say four thousand square feet or five thousand square feet. That would give you like a pretty good feel for what the PGR does for you. And, you know, speaking to pre-stress conditioning, that is, it's very important now to understand the timing of it is that what you're doing when you're pre-stress conditioning is you're literally controlling that shoot growth so that the grass is expending more energy on root growth because I actually utilized that myself in that, Ryan, I didn't yeah. have any dramas on those lawns that I put on the STFU mix prior to GIE. Yeah. Over the yeah. winter. So when, when Ray came to GIE, he had to, uh, he had to put the zip it, you know, uh, mix out there. So it was a concoction. It was the uh, Long Island iced tea of uh, PGR mixes to put the put the uh, proverbial warm season grasses on the floor that night. So, uh, yeah, I gotta yeah, was... send this to Bank. But uh, I mean, uh, but what, what it interests me because I I did get a lot of head last year. I mean, seed heads. Uh, I got a lot of seed heads, and you know maybe <laughs> maybe uh, <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> Would that help that out a little bit? Hey, I don't know where the vaccine came from, but that head sure helped. Um, so, you know, uh, <laughs> wait, so would it help out with seed heads? Uh, no, this particular type would not necessarily help with that. Jay Pink, okay. throw that sprayer up real quick. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, so anyway, the uh, it's not that particular uh, one is not going to help necessarily. So. Uh, here's a sprayer. I would, I would challenge you to look at this brand. This is FNS manufacturing there in uh, beautiful Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, they have a couple of different ones, pull behinds. There's this estate sprayer. There's a different one. Hang on a second. The mini sprayer. That's like exactly what I'm looking for. They make, this yeah. is high quality stuff. High quality stuff. Uh, give me FNS one second. manufacturing makes good stuff. One. Yeah. They make pretty good stuff. Here's a little bit run more like more. four grand. I don't no. think it's four grand. There, there's there are ones that slide into gators are four grand. I, I would say I would suspect Actually, that this one is in the thousand to fifteen hundred range. I don't know. Or they, I think this that one would has, be even less. That, that's that would that, be even less. That I would mean, be good me. usually you know if it's an electric, you know, pump that you click clip onto the you know the battery of your lawn tractor or whatever, 
it's under mm-hmm. a thousand. You know, it's not the only yeah. time that you get into like the couple thousand range is if you want like a a race spec sprayer with the ten gallon per minute pump and five hundred psi capability. Then you're talking about I'll, a few bills. <laughs> yeah, this one I like a little bit more, and I'm not advocating for this for you necessarily. I'm just saying, like in general, it's got some better features on it, so you can get this without the electric pump. You can actually get a Honda pump on this bad boy, right? So it's mm-hmm. a 22 gallon a minute centrifugal pump, Ray. So you are not yes. messing around with this uh, 50 no, gallons. No. So you could you could spray, you know, you could spray your stuff at a basically a 50 gallon to the acre rate which is which is which is good right if you're if you're gonna make Mm -hmm. uh you know fertilizer treatments and things like that where you need to be diluted down more so than what like a little tiny like northern tool sprayer can give you and you also have better coverage on your herbicides insecticides things like that uh what was the other thing oh this one's got breakaway boom so like if you smash into the tree or the garage or whatever in the backyard it's not gonna break this off and then i don't know what the width on the boom is on this bad boy but uh yeah so something like this you got also have the the uh hose wand right so you got a 50 foot hose wand so if you want to go in and like put pre-emerge in here and spray the beds with you know gallery and something else like you can do that you can go out and spray the ditch on the front row you know along the road whatever you want to do like it gives you a lot of different options so it would last a while good little thing to look at so just you know showing you options no, you asked so no, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Something a little more high quality than the, you know, Home Depot ones you can buy. Yeah, the Northern you, you Tool, fit, man, the Northern Tool ones. Yeah, and you, and if them. you fit that, you fit that with something like a, you know, air-inducted uh, fan nozzles at 20 inches apart and 20 inches from the from the turf surface, you, that is like starting to get into the world of high precision applications to where i would not be nervous about putting down pgr with a rig like that you know provided i have my 20 and 20 you know 20 inch nozzle spacings and 20 inches off the ground agreed it is very windy out here i mean in my uh field (laughs) yes behind my house there's there's wind turbines there's i'm sure you know which wind turbines i'm talking about they're in my backyard. I do. And it's Ray. People no lie. Like this is, Well, I'm not going to say that. Where he's at, where he's at, he is literally in the Hawaii of Ohio. Like yeah. it is windy. Yeah, there, yeah. there and, might and be you know a, a dozen calm days there every year. Yeah, you know, and you know what? And that is also where, uh, again, I would seriously look at an actual spray boom with 20-inch nozzle spacings and some very high-quality drift-reducing spray nozzles on the on that boom just to help you out and basically improve the performance of even your weed control because let me ask you, what did you use to smoke off that uh, Creeping Charlie? It was just, it was just a three-way mix from a... Okay. From a local from ag tra- store. I mean, it was uh, from, a, from from a co-op or a tractor supply. Just a just a basic three-way yep. wall. That's all. That's already an example of something where it's not good if that moves off target. Okay, it's not good because yeah, three-way 
is also a very good tree killer. Very good at it. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. I... Ray, Ray, it's not making sense. Yeah, yeah. What well, or what? I mean, is this going to be the the one where we tell people, yeah, let's put on our crop dusting nozzle and pick a thirty mile per hour day to spray? Let's let's do it. I mean, just just have clouds of drift, uh, you know, behind yeah. us. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. what are you what are you spreading with? That's the other thing I was curious on. What do you what are you working with on the uh, spread side? I um trying to think of the hopper. I think it's a fifty pound hopper. Uh, oh, it's the Anderson's yard star. And no, that's oh, not okay. I don't think I attached I, that, that. That was in December that, though. That's just a, that's just a nice uh, little little pull oh, okay. behind uh, I, I think I know, s- cart on the on the on the lawnmower, that's a nice. I don't think he's selling it. No, I know what you're talking about, though. I just saw your I picture. Forget why Instagram. I attached that picture. Ooh. I think that was for the mower Ooh. for equipment. I was going to talk about my Ooh. mower, but my big deck. Oh, well, let's talk. No, no, let's let's talk. This about is the only one you. Let's sent talk me. about your mower. <laughs> let's talk about your mower. I'm going to send this. Yeah, right there. There you go. There's my spreader. Oh, oh look at that thing. my gosh! <laughs> oh dear. <Yeah. laughs> that's hard. That's hardcore. You got the bar in the background. That's that's. That is so Ohio right yeah. there. But then that that is <laughs> yeah, just uh, you know pushing a spreader. I mean, because even as a pro, I, I don't I don't push a spreader myself. I don't. I just don't. I just don't push a spreader, and I haven't done it in years. <laughs> oh well, yeah. It's I, the same I mean, thing. I, I, like, I thought about getting a. Go for it. What? Go for it. No, no. Or keep going, keep going. I was gonna say I was thinking about getting a, a toe behind spreader, but I mean, I, again, I don't know how oh, accurate. I'm, I'm a little nervous about were... like when I can I can push that thing and I I can get one time across my lawn. And I know I'm getting that even application with that. Like I'm dead on with that. But like a spread, mm-hmm. like if I had to pull it behind, I don't know. I'd have to really learn that, and that makes me nervous. But. Man, I mean, I'm gonna look you at got a, you got a large well. area to kind of like, as we see on the Discord, FAFO. I mean, you know, you got a kind of a large area, and my only counsel oh. with, you know, something like a toe behind spreader is, at first, set the gate, you know, a lot smaller than what you think, and if you've u- not used up that product after going over your designated area whatever you know if you put in like a hundred pounds of uh, material in there then that hundred pounds had better have covered that acre and not you not run out yet you know you should have a little bit left i mean then then you're good but on the other hand if you just ran it over like five thousand or ten thousand square feet and you're empty it's like uh oh you know that's a bit much uh i think you just spread I think you just set your spreader for the what? What do you say? Uh, G for grow, <laughs> L G, for yeah, lush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said uh, L for lush and uh, <laughs> S S for shit can. I think is the uh, S for uh, shit can. You're fired. <laughs> you're fired. Yeah, you're fired. Uh, throw yeah. this up. Look, now look at look at this bad boy. You go on to. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of these, but they could in your situation they could work. Shut up, J Pink. <laughs> but this is a permagreen. 
you go get yourself a permarine like this, you have a sprayer and a spreader in the three, four grand range. You're all taken care of and you I mean you'll have this thing for life. Like it, it ain't gonna go bad. Tires, replace yeah. the tires, do oil changes, maintain the engine, grease the thing, yeah. but something like that. I think about I peek it. around for permagreen every now and then. I can never find one at a good price around here, but maybe if you see yeah, one you have to I'll drive go a to Columbus. Bit. This one's this one's an indie. I looked at I just looked up okay. around me. There's a couple in Indy. There's a couple in the uh, Cleveland area. There's a couple other ones too. So you never know. It could uh, yeah, it could definitely yeah, work. Definitely, but that's another option. Look at this. All right, and... it, plenty of options. Plenty of options. All right. So two things I want to talk about, and and we'll we'll we we got plenty of time here, but I want to make sure we get to number one the weed situation and the bent grass in particular what let's talk about the weed situation and uh is there anything besides bent grass that we need to talk about or other like problems with the lawn that aren't fertility related that you wanted to talk about uh not not really i mean i don't want to be like that person says oh i have no weeds but i get i have some but nothing like crazy you know nothing that's okay, worth okay <laughs> talking about which which so well, uh, which is good especially being in a farm like you know around farm fields and things like that sometimes that can be an issue that people are loaded down yeah. with weeds and and so that's mm -hmm. good so talk about the bent grass you went as far as to set it on fire but what <laughs> what uh got you to that point is it gotten better what was the i'm, I'm really curious on the uh the fire experiment and I'll, then i want to hear ray's take on how to permanently disable bent grass <laughs> so like three years ago i pulled up a section of my lawn and it just ripped up like carpet. And I'm like, oh, shit, I probably got grubs. But then I realized, oh, oh wait, there's a bunch of, like, roots on top of the soil that's all intertwined in, like, this big crappy mess. And I'm like, okay. So I start looking it up. And, you know, and, I mean, like, when when it's laying flat, it looked good, actually. It looked it looked good. You couldn't see the brown roots. It kind of looked, mm -hmm. it had, like, a nice bluish, greenish tint to it. And oh, then when you yes. rip it up, it just rips up. And then uh, when I get stressed, it's the first thing to get stressed. So found out it was yeah. found out it was bent grass. And mm. I um, so my first attack three years ago was mesotrione. And that worked a little bit. Um, I, it was it was hard for me just to keep up with the consistent apps with it. I, I didn't really go too hard with it that I, I maybe hit like three apps, 14 days apart or something like that. It did a little bit, but, you know, there was still more creeping through. Um, mm. So anyway, fast forward to last year, um, start of the spring last year of 2021. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go after this hard. So I I have a pull behind Brinley D-Thatcher rake, not a D-Thatcher, but I have a pull behind rake uh, yes, for my uh, yes. tractor. And um, so I, I was I told myself I was going to, you know, once every month or two i was gonna run that thing through it and just scrape up the stuff uh i can't remember when i made my first step yeah that's a crappy picture just pulled from my instagram i didn't have i don't save any of my stuff i that's my old tractor too that's but uh so i uh i did that and i also bagged all my clippings um mm -hmm. i got a hold of some uh pilex and i had some mesotrione um so big patches i hit it with 
some Pilex. I, I don't know the exact rate, but I know it was very, very low. I mean, an ounce covers an acre, I think, um, on the coverage, but I followed the rate and I hit it, hit it with that. And then four days later, I hit it with tenacity on a couple spots. Now, this was just spot spraying some spots. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That right. Di- some of that dinged it. And then, you know, I started looking up some stuff and I was seeing where you could, you know, I mixed some, a very small amount of Pilex with, uh, with the G word <laughs> and, uh, glyphosate. And I, uh, I spot sprayed some spots and I was actually very surprised on how well that worked. It actually didn't kill my fescue, um, mm-hmm. in certain spots where I did a really light mist. My fescue actually survived in there and then that bent died. So okay. I went at it in a variety of ways. Certain spots, I decided after it was dead, I just torched it, and uh, and I just raked it through because I was going to be seeding anyway. Once I got down that journey, it was like, okay, I'm all in now. And so mm-hmm. I, uh, the the bigger areas, I torched them, uh, like you know, multiple times, like you know, until it was <laughs> until it was gone. Incineration. And then, yeah, Incineration. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I get and it. And then I and then I seeded into it, and I mean. I know there's still some in there. I mean, I can't see it necessarily like looking from afar out right now, but I know there's gotta be some shoots and stuff in there. And I just, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm stumped on it. Okay. Here's what I'm going to tell you about. If you know, you have bent grass, I don't look for the one-time kill or the extreme renovation. What I look for is basically long-term suppression with the objective of removal. And what that means is you alter your treatment program in such a way that if it says do not use unbent grass, guess what? It's going through the toe-behind sprayer. (laughs) Okay, if it says do not apply to bent or... This may damage Ben. You're using it. <laughs> you know that's that's just yeah. it. I mean, <laughs> because uh, we have a friend in Massachusetts where mm-hmm. that is his worst nightmare is when bent grass invades the turf type tall fescue and Kentucky bluegrass, and so I basically set him up with a broadleaf and crabgrass control program that just happens to be very stressful for the bent that happens to be around. Because if I didn't want bent grass to live, there'd be certain herbicides that I'd include in my treatment program. Number one, triclopyr. Number two, Mesotrione, you know, tenacity. And number three is the high rate of quinclorac. Because bent supposedly tolerates quinclorac at like quarter or half rate of what you'd normally apply to a lawn. However, that changes if, for example, your spring weed control program looks like full rate triclopyr 
uh, three to four ounces of tenacity per acre, and then label rate of quinclorac, not the bent rate, the full rate, and you put that down all at once as part of your spring weed control program. <laughs> And you know, and how like how how often like multiple apps of that? Well, that's just one of the apps that you do. You then continue as long as you can with additional triclopyr and quinclorac or else two four D and you know, a tank mix. It's all about a tank mix. It's not just one individual product because if I were going after bent and by the way, if you're going after bent, I'd be looking at something like, say, 2,4-D and tenacity, or else tenacity and triclopyr. It would. And uh, Ryan, mm. in the case of a non-irrigated cool season mixed lawn, how terrible would sure power be in the summer? <sighs> awful i don't know uh, it'll be fine i mean non-irrigated non-irrigated lawn it's going to do better because it needs to harden off all that kind of stuff my question on the bent grass in particular is how widespread is this is this like in very localized areas where you can just treat those localized areas or is it just kind of splotchy and all over the place so it it, it isn't it's noticeable it, it was noticeable until i nuked it but it, it was noticeable <laughs> right. in certain areas which his seed came in great, looked great. I don't know if he has a picture of my front yard, but uh, then, but what what happened was okay. So after I killed all those big spots, um, I actually was planning on slit seeding for an overseed, and I had a slit mm -hmm. seeder. And after I already ran my pull behind rake through it, I did the slit seed, and I was pulling up all kinds of crap of bent yeah. through sp spaces where I didn't know it was. So I actually mm -hmm. didn't even slit seed. I just kind of used that as a a rake and gotcha, i got out yeah yeah and then and then i ended up just broadcasting my seed but um so i, I think it's mixed in all over really i mean in, in small amounts you know yeah okay so a couple of things then uh here are going to be the the challenges right uh to doing this just because you have the potpourri lawn that's got a whole bunch of different mm -hmm. stuff in and in particular, you know, perennial ryegrass is very sensitive uh, to mesotrione, and some of the older tall fescues is very are very sensitive. It will not kill them. It will make them look like dog shit for a uh, long while, though. So this also might be one that you go after in just a spot, you know, an area, four or 5,000 square feet, uh, just to kind of fuck around and find out and see what you got, because sometimes when you start spraying wall-to-wall -wall blanket apps, uh, you figure out very quickly that you have way more shit out there than you anticipated. And it's not a good feeling when uh, you walk out two days after that application and the entire lawn is white. That's going to that's gonna cause some concern. So here is what I would do, right, is uh, if you, you know, in these areas, do you think it's uh, established enough that you're going to have to overseed into some of these areas? Yes or no? Like, is it going to wipe out so much of the existing turf that's there that you're going to need to like overseed into it. Last year, I every spot that I killed, I filled. I, I got it. I got coverage on it with seeding. I seeded okay. it last year. 
I started killing okay. this like at the end of August, mid August. Mm-hmm. I started at like August, beginning of August. And then the process ended okay. like end of August. And that's when I started doing my seeding. That's perfect. That's perfect. So that's exactly what I was going to say is basically take your calendar and count, you know, from when the date you want to seed count backwards, 25 to 35 days. Okay. And from there, we're going to do, if you want to go hard in the paint and do it the right way, and Ben Brinkman, if you're listening, go ahead and listen. There's a guy that's been asking me about this, so I'm going to take this opportunity to explain it to everybody, including you two. So uh, if you count backwards from that date that you want to seed, what I would be looking to do is, uh, number one, making five sequential applications at five to seven day intervals of um, tenacity and also triclopyr, okay? The caveat there is you can, if you have a lot of perennial ryegrass, if you have a lot of tall fescue, you have to stretch these out further, right? You have to put like 21 days in. So if you have predominantly tall fescue, predominantly perennial rye, you have to stretch this out even further back, right, to make this work. And it's going to be a much longer effort to get done, but still trying to end on that seed date, okay? So in uh, the, the hard in the paint, program every five seven days you're going out at 3.2 fluid ounces to the acre of tenacity and you're going out at uh ray any issue i'm going to say like i I typically go eight to 16 ounces of triclopyr you know try to keep it low uh, especially if we're doing sequential apps like that actually uh eight to 16 is uh fairly reasonable because triclopyr is actually a fairly safe herbicide for most cool mm-hmm. season grasses with the exception of vent grass. Yep. It's safe. And, and, so, and, and if anything, I might add something oh. in that what triclopyr does or can do to your mesotrione application is that it can mitigate or reduce some of that whitening of the tips that you can see when you apply it while conversely making that application much more stressful on the bent because Bingo. bent does not so, bent does not like triclopyr bent also doesn't like 24d either if i remember mm-hmm. rightly it that's doesn't correct. like it and in, and in fact uh if i were being evil uh if possible, I would probably save up my two two four D applications for the year and blow them during my eradication program. <laughs> yeah, just saying. <laughs> so if you're on if you're on this program, right the five the five day thing, you're eight to sixteen ounces on your triclopyr. Your 3.2 fluid ounces to the acre on the tenacity. Follow that program. Leave tenac- or leave triclopyr out of your last app, and then go ahead and seed right behind it. You should be fine. No issues there. Okay, so that's one way of doing it. If you have to stretch it out to 21 days, you still do the same thing, right? We're going to cut the apps down, though, to four apps and then adjust the rate accordingly. So we have get 16 fluid ounces to the acre is our annual label limit on that product. So we're doing four apps at four ounces per acre. The critical number there is about four of where a single application will harm. Like you can go up to five and be okay on some, but 
it's real touchy when it comes to ryegrass and tall fescue. So that's what I would stick to is one of those two programs. Lengthen it out if you have to. If you do have a lot of tall fescue and perennial rye, which in your case, I'm going to guess you have a fair amount and you got to be a little bit more careful with it. So get you a good sprayer. Try that program out uh, and still include the triclopyr in there for sure on those successive apps that, again, that'll help reduce the bleaching that you see even on the desirable species. And it will also help and aid in killing the bent grass. The other thing that's been found to be super effective is you mentioned your rake is raking out all the dead shit in between apps, right? So if you can get down and get past all that dead leaf tissue where there still is green tissue that the uh, chemical can get into, you're all the better off. So try it out. Even if you want to do it with your backpack sprayer, I think it's worthy uh, of an effort to try to do that. Don't have to necessarily take on the whole lawn and uh, conquer the entire beast necessarily this year, but that would be good. So I don't know. What do you think? Thoughts? Can you make it work? Can you do it? How bad do you want this bent grass gone, man? No. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, time will tell if like, uh, if it, how bad it's going to be this year, but I just, you know, I just know it's going to be back. So yeah, I'm, I'm all in. I I have a little bit of triclopyr. Um, I don't have any two, four D on hand, but, um, I got mesotrione. So yeah, just do that. Just do the mesotrione, the triclopyr for now. You'll be good. Yeah. uh, You'll be, you'll, we'll be all right. And, uh, the thing is, is that other one that I'm going to tell you about using tenacity is tenacity is greatly enhanced by mesylated seed oil. Oh yeah, having a okay, having a it's greatly enhanced. Huge, yo, yo, and it's to the point where Syngenta officially doesn't want people using mesylated seed oil with tenacity unless they know what they're doing and they know what's going to happen. And in this case, I, I, I know what's going to happen and I actually want that enhanced defect because their concern is, is that under certain circumstances that mesylated seed oil will make the tenacity way too hot undesirable turf grasses yeah i I think you'll be i think you'll be good and i think that's yeah that's that's the route you got to go down though if you want to get rid of that burn it burn it (laughs) no i I really appreciate that that's 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 great advice i've never heard so that's 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 some uh that's some plans i've never never heard so yeah definitely gonna try it (laughs) good deal all right let's talk about uh before we get to your any final questions you have I want to hear about the Frolf, the Frisbee Golf. Yes. And what the hell are you thinking with Bermuda grass? What, I want to hear about this. What, explain it to me. Sell it to me, right? I'm your significant other, and you're going to put this weed in our backyard. Sell me on it right here, right <laughs> now. Let's hear it. Okay, well, first off is, like um, you were saying earlier, uh, I got a big backyard. Why not try some plots? May it, may it kind of uh, invade other spots? Yeah, ah. I really, don't, I really don't, I really don't give a shit. I, I, I want to be, I, I want to, I just want to have some Bermuda. I've been talking about it for two years actually. Um, some people mm-hmm. that know me on Instagram, they know I've been, I was going to do it last year. It just timing didn't work. So, mm-hmm. one, I love frisbee golf. I have a nice frisbee golf hole 
and uh, always move it around. And so I always thought it'd be cool to have like a green where I mowed it really short. Like, you know, maybe I'll just get like, a, I have a manual reel. I could uh, reel mow it real short with a ribbon. So if you throw mm-hmm. your disc, it can kind of like slide and stop. So like you kind of can land Ooh. on the green. So, uh, and then also if you're going to, for a short shot, you're not, you know, or if you land by the pin, you're not picking up your, uh, Frisbee in some, you know, four inch fescue, you know, you got a nice little green right there. I think it'd be kind (laughs) of, and also if I want to do Bermuda, because if I let my backyard go dormant in the summer, I'll keep that little 500 foot square, square foot circle irrigated and I'll just focus on that all year. There you go. You got to have something to look forward to in the backyard too. So, okay. I, I, I think it's totally doable. And this is coming from, uh, you know, one of the few assholes to try and grow Bermuda grass in Ohio. So I think you can be <laughs> successful even, you know, in Ray, I will say this is, uh, as the crow flies, like if you were to just go straight North, Zach is probably, Oh, I'm going to say like 75 miles straight, you know, if you just go straight north and uh, use the same uh, latitude, he's probably about yep. 75 or so, 80 miles north of here. So mm-hmm. it's not unheard of. I mean, here's the thing, Zach, is not, you know, uh, not too far out of your realm, but, you know, they're growing it very successfully in West Lafayette, Indiana, right, at Purdue. And, yeah. you know, it, with the size and scale of what yours is going to be, which, I mean, help me out here, square footage-wise, what are we talking like? 100 square feet, it's 200 like, square feet. It's like 500 square foot. I don't know if he has. So that's okay. That's the area oh, okay, I okay, okay. mapped out for. Okay. It. So perfect. So that's like one pallet of saw. That's about perfect. So, I mean, the couple things I would look at in Ray, you know, uh, you mm-hmm. know, maybe not something you do in Hawaii, but a couple things I would look at would be number one. That's baller that you did that, by the way. That's that that takes some balls to to even consider doing that. Um, <laughs> is number one. Uh, I would go with sod over sprigs. I think that'll be an easier uh, install for you. I think it'll be easier to take care of and manage. And then uh, to get it playing well quickly, I think it'll be good. The other thing I would look at too that uh, you you probably need to be ready for is some type of sand source because you're going to want to top dress this stuff and top dress it often to try and keep thatch down because there's nothing you're going to be able to do to really keep thatch at bay because the uh, particular type of Bermuda grass that you're going to be using is a prolific organic matter depositor, right? There's not a whole lot you can do. And at some point, you'll have to start airifying and doing other things below the surface to manage it and keep it nice. But, you know, the number one thing that you can do that you have easy control of is just top dress the hell out of it when it's actively growing. So that's fun. Makes for great content. And it's something to, you know, mess around with and have fun with. But so on the manual reel, how low are you going to be able to mow this? That's one question I had too. Like an inch? So so I, I it goes, I don't know how low it goes. I think it goes to a half inch, the reel mower I got. Um, but oh, I, um, so well, one thing I was going to tell you guys, like I'm willing to do whatever, even if, as long as it's like by manual labor with no machine. Like if I got to dig it out a couple inches, you know, I'm willing to do that. Uh, but I did, I did top dress it with sand, uh, to, and I have it pretty level right now where, I mean, it's pretty smooth. It, it didn't look smooth in okay. that picture right there, uh, but 
it's um because it had some like dead weeds on it and stuff but it's pretty smooth okay yeah it, it looks it looks pretty well graded i mean what i would say there is you know maybe have a small truckload of good sand ready and available so that you can make those you know those minor uh grade touch-ups right as you're starting to lay it so that it can be as flat as it possibly can be and so you still have some good drainage because you don't want it to puddle in the middle things like that it looks like it's got a pretty decent grade to it so i think once you get the sod in there i really do think that um you know top dressing it heavily letting it kind of grow up through that and then starting to mow it and maintain it ray i don't know what do you think in a situation like this he's gonna have the weather like especially from sod like this doesn't concern me about getting established but you know from a sod growing standpoint on bermuda ray what would be your your uh you know top tips and top pitfalls to success and or failure okay the one that i would be thinking about is when i'm thinking about growing of sod is number one water okay Mm -hmm. number two is nitrogen because when i'm doing a sod establishment like i want the sod to establish i'm looking at hitting the grass with up to 0.25 pounds of nitrogen every 14 days Mm-hmm. until i get rooting and then it's true for me it's time to scalp down sand cap and then maintain that's my that's my usual approach to sodding a, a warm season grass by the way do you know There's anybody nitrogen. zach that's got a, a powered reel mower like anybody nearby that's got like a greens mower or anything like that no. any of your lawn boys no no, mm. no, nobody. Okay. You know, I mean, you, if it turned out, you literally, sweet, mm-hmm. you would do it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I don't <laughs> know. If it turned out <laughs> sweet, you would do it because <laughs> we got a spray. Listen, we've already bought you a sprayer for, for fuck's sake. Like now we're buying you a, a greens mower. <laughs> this, this is a goddamn $10,000 night before it's all said and done. Jeez. I we haven't even got the, the green champagne green. room yet. I haven't even oh, got yeah, the champagne yeah, room yet, Brett. Heck. Yeah. What happens in there is just between two consenting adults. I mean, we're not going to talk about grass, okay? Like, well, (laughs) maybe. I don't know. They'll do whatever you want. Um, Well, because for me, what I'd be looking at is even for 500 square feet, I know the limitations of your average manual reel mower. And in real life, they're only capable of mowing acceptably down to an inch. And furthermore, they don't have enough blades or rotational speed to keep Bermuda. I mean, that manual reel mower was specifically designed for these people with immaculate little kentucky bluegrass lawns that they're mowing all the time uh that mower was not made for alpha grass okay it well, was not which made for one? alpha grass which one the manual reel mower yeah and that's the thing is like i think you can maintain it like that i think it's going to be like that initial getting it going i i think you can be successful i think you're just going to have to be if you're going to only use a manual reel mower, you're going to have to top risk a lot 
and use that as your crutch if you don't have access to scalp and do all these other you know things you have to bring I mean, the thing is too i'm not looking to golf on it you know i'm looking yeah, at, it yeah, yeah, like yeah. Disc at it you know so like if it's a little choppy or you know if it's a, if it's not super smooth i'm not that worried about like having that but i mean Agreed. just to say i got some nice looking bermuda and it's <laughs> and, and, and you know and it's and it's back there like and, and you, maybe you can't roll a golf ball on it that's what i'm looking for yeah, yeah, we're looking yeah. for Ray. We're looking for the big dick energy plan. That's what we're looking for right now. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Because for... <laughs> I'm just saying that. At least you admit it. At least with, you admit it. With the yeah, with the with a manual reel, I've seen manual reels on Bermuda, and okay, holy washboarding. Okay, washboarding. you got it. Yeah, you got to go over I've it a couple that. of times. I've seen that. Yeah, and. The only way that I've seen to counter the washboarding is, like for in my case, uh, before I was you know, professional, I remember mowing a, you know, about 2,000 square foot of what they call TIFF 328 Bermuda. And I had a seven blade manual reel mower for that, but that mower got Frankensteined. The plastic rear roller got replaced with a three-inch steel pipe that was filled with concrete as its roller. Wow. <laughs> well, crazy. and I think that's something too. I think something too. You know, the, the, to think about there is start with what you got, and if you need to scale up, if you need to kick it up a notch like then you, then you do it like I, that's the one thing about bermuda like as long as you plan your schedule out like you could have it and it'd be like okay the first year it's like oh kind of looks like shit it's washboard it's this it's that it's that it's whatever you can go in there and the following june and just be like i'm gonna fuck this shit up i'm gonna go get uh you know a walk behind greens mower i'm gonna scalp the shit out of it i'm gonna make it look like trash you know, your wife, your neighbors, the farmer across the street is going to come out and be like, Zach, what did you do? And you're like, just give me like two what weeks. What happened? Like, <laughs> calm down. Give me two weeks. And then you're going to look like a hero. Then you're going to be like diaper party, Zach, all over again. And they're going to be like, oh, my God. Like, what'd you do? You're like, yeah, I know. All right. I know what I'm doing. So that's <laughs> that's always the cool part about Bermuda is like, it's just it's it's incredible. But I think, uh, like I said. It's a totally doable project, I think, especially sod. As long as you get that down, you know, uh, Father's Day ish, or maybe even a little bit later. Honestly, I think you'd be fine. And then just make sure you, you know, find a good sand source that you can have there locally. Uh, I got to think about who that would come from up there for you. Actually, might it's it's probably one of those things. It might come out of uh, probably Hudson, Michigan, uh, Osborne Industries. Take a look at them. They're up in the Detroit area. Uh, I think that's probably going to be the closest one to you. I think the guy's name there is AJ. So if you have an opportunity to look them up, I will send you a link and you can call them. And they actually sell it in smaller quantities so that you don't have to take like, you know, a uh, 20-ton dump truck load and tell your wife she's got to park in the grass or something. <laughs> it's usually uh no, usually a stepping stone to sleeping on the porch right or the back deck yeah hey i know you want to park in the garage her. but my top dressing sand's in the way 
So can you just park out in the grass, please? Would you tell her? I always tell her I could be out in the lawn um, in the evenings and doing stuff or stuff like that, or I'd be at the bar, you know, like, so like, it's better that I'm out in the lawn. Like I'm not out with like some buddies. I'm out on the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're not, you're not getting in trouble. I mean, it's hard to get in trouble in your own lawn. I mean, that's like, you make a good point because I keep on hearing these, these sad stories about all of these men. I mean, it, and right, I mean, it's mostly men where their wives are down their throats about, you know, what they're doing in the lawn. And I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, because I can think of worse things for a guy to do in the afternoon. Like he could be in the bar getting fucked up, uh, gambling, uh, yeah. you know, lots of vices, you know, yeah. and other things that I won't get into, but then. You know, the, the, they got a great buffet down, great buffet down there at the strip club, you know, from 11 to three, like, yeah, yeah, that kind of, that kind of bad stuff. So it's like a lawn is rather innocent by comparison. Am I right? Am I right? Hey, the worst thing, the worst thing that happens is you pass out in your own lawn, right? And she drags you in, you piss your own lawn and you clean it up. Like it ain't like, you know, you're at the bar, you're going to get a public intox and you're going to have wet pants getting driven home by your wife i see no problems here i think listen (laughs) you are you're doing a good service you should put that message out more hey advocate for getting hammered in your own lawn and getting some work done while you're at it i I appreciate that about you i do i do you're carrying carrying the flag on that message so all right so what else have we not covered what other questions did you have i know we've we've packed a lot in but don't feel like you're rushed or anything like that but what other questions you have for us i know we've covered a lot just, I mean, would you have a concern with that Bermuda getting out into my, the rest of my lawn or should I even no. not even, I don't, I wouldn't be super worried about it. You know, the one thing, uh, somebody asked that question, Ray, I can't remember recently, but about, you know, how to prevent Bermuda from uh, going into another species. Like, I think it was like a collar on a green or something like that is you just, if edge, you have an edger. Just, yeah. If you just, just, just take an edger just right cut, around there. That's what mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, there's one awesome. more thing is What's that, that right? from what I know, you keep triclopyr and tenacity and pilex kind oh, of yeah. far away from Bermuda. Yeah. That is being mowed at lawn height because it just doesn't do it. It just doesn't doesn't tolerate it very well. Just keep that in mind because. Remember what I said a while ago, Ryan, about how I consider dealing with Bermuda, both good and bad, is How's a that? little bit like dealing with Ben. It's like dealing with Ben. You know, it's like similar gross habits, you know, and similar do not do's, you know, for the most part. Similar do not do's. So, well, so real quick, just like if you had, if you were in that situation where you're up against it, right? What mm-hmm. what would you tell him besides the edging and how is there any other way pre-emergent wise anything else that he can do to manage that because I I think he's going okay. down this route I'm gonna and I'm gonna enable the shit out of him to go down this route so okay. please I'm, I'm going the, down I've been talking yeah. about it I got to do it now I've I've already talked about it so much okay. yeah, speaking <laughs> of existence sir and and now you you're getting yeah. me hyped up telling me the sod I can get and there the uh, the sprigs you're oh yeah. yeah hey listen one day. Yeah, yeah yeah I'm gonna but, get it but anyway if you you know, 
as far as a pre-emergent program, there is an alternate pre-emergent that is very suppressive of Bermuda grass. And it happens to be safe on species like tall fescue and ryegrass. And that would be the herbicide known as esophumosate. And normally, esophumosate is deployed against poa annua because if you spray it post-emergent on poa annua, it makes the poa sick and decline. But what I know about esophumosate is that esophumosate is also very suppressive and toxic to Bermuda. But Okay. It's mm. not only a poa herbicide, it's also a crabgrass herbicide too. And people forget about that because oftentimes esophumosate is deployed specifically against poa. It is the premier, you know, poa treatment. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. What what is that? Oh, here here's a question real quick. Love my lawn. Wants to know, Zach, do you use bios? Biostimulant. Oh, geez. Love my lawn. Stop. Anyway. <laughs> God. You made me do it. You oh, prick. What a prick. I don't use anything. All right. Anyway. You're, you're thinking of. <laughs> no, that's good. That No, not that. Not well in general, but no. Okay. Um, I, I Listen, I, I'm excited for you for the Bermuda thing. I think it's something different. It's avant-garde. It's not something that you're seeing people in this area do. And listen, like the worst, the worst possible thing is it dies in the wintertime. And I don't think that's going to happen. And I'll set you up with getting uh, a properly cut cover for the wintertime that you can take out there and put down 500 square feet. nothing. It'll be tarped for the winter. It's a permeable tarp that lets water go through. It lets sunlight go through. It'll protect it. You would probably pull it off. Oh, I'm going to say, in your neck of the woods, probably like late April, right? So another month or so from now, because okay. you want to be out of like most frost territory, right? You don't want to get a hard freeze. You can take a frost, but you don't want to get a hard freeze because uh, when you pull it off, it will be green and growing. Like you'll be mowing the shit out really? of it to get started with. Oh, yeah, it, definitely. So all that being said, uh, I think it can work. I think it can be really fun. You know, here in Columbus, we were green, like green green up until halloween this past year or first week of november so you know you might be a, a little bit uh-huh. sooner but even so like it's playable like you can walk out and it's not like you know it, it turns yeah. to lava when it goes dormant so just roll with it man it's something different yeah, yeah you yeah. might even hey listen you might even go fake natty and paint that shit when it's dormant i don't know hard <laughs> to tell right ray <laughs> yeah hey i mean you know i've always said that in areas where it's tough to keep cool season grass because of you know how harsh summer is i'd say why am i pushing on a rope uh i might as well say hey do bermuda make the bermuda you know nice and fantastic during the fourth of july parties and the the summer cookouts rather than deal with burnt out stressed out cool season grass and then if it's brown in the winter, you know, whatever. Paint the darn thing green and, uh, you know, and get over it. Because I don't I, think that uh, yeah. that's fake natty. I don't, I don't call that fake natty. I mean, what I call that is being 
realistic and practical. Hell yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, so, the, the, it's so uh, far out there, to be honest, that wouldn't even be a concern. So, it's way out in my back corner. So, I, I, listen, who's going to look, yeah, right? I, I think it'll be fine. Who's going to look? When's, so, my, my last question on that, on that piece is when's like, when, when would you like, do the big reveal or the big unveiling like would you show anybody during the grow-in process or would you be like wait till it's all like primped and primed and then pull the curtain back so well you... i know we're trying to wrap up here but like the whole sprigging no, no, process no, you're man, good you're good that blows my mind the sprig like how the sprigs develop and how that works that's all foreign to me and like that's mm-hmm. that's wild thinking about that's why so i was gonna let you saw it. with that that's so, why i'm just gonna let you saw it i'm just gonna get a pallet of sod I'll bring that in so you can just take the pallet, load it in the back of a truck. You bring a truck down here and we'll drop it in there and then you go from there. So that, that'll be, I'm going to make it as easy as I can. The next one, when you, you know, when you go sprig the entire backyard and you go full blown crazy, like bat shit, then we'll sprig. All right. So we got a lot of, we got like uh, three more episodes to do over the next three years to plan for that. Right. So, you know, you, uh, my advice to you between now and then would be uh, these several things is one, you know, you're doing soil testing. That's good. Uh, number two would be select a cultivar. And number three would be sign a prenup, right? Even though you're already married and uh, make sure that that's all rock solid right before you announce that decision. Right. So, yeah. uh, and then you can do like a LeBron James thing. Like you can go on Instagram live and be like, listen, I'm taking my talents to Bermuda. I'm going iron cutter in the backyard. Like it'll be great. People will love you. You'd be a, a, a cult be hero, crazy. but it would be. I hope it ends up like that, but who the hell knows? So we'll get to the spring part. I'll, you come down here and you can watch. You can watch sprigs. There's actually. Let me look and see real quick. I'm gonna do the math on uh, here. It might not to, even be 500. It might be like 300 square feet. To be honest with you, it's, you better measure. You better it, measure that. All right. Yeah, so measure, measure, yeah, measure, measure, you are once. Yeah, you, you're an hour and thirty. Please. You're an hour and 32 minutes from where I will have Bermuda for you. I'll bring that there so it's ready to go for you. And you can come down there anytime you want because you'll know where it's at at that point. And you can check out the sprigging process in a a far north Ohio climate and uh, just see how batshit crazy I am. Because, yeah, I've already got my prenup signed, right? So I got to sleep with the little pillows on the couch or if I need to sleep in the, you know, a tent in the front yard, right? I could do it. <laughs> I could do it. Oh man! I mean that—that's just uh, nuts. But then, seriously, sprigs are basically advanced level turf establishment because for many years, that's what I did. Actually, is I managed growings of sprigs. Okay, that's mm-hmm. what I actually did. Wow. So, you know, and. I'm talking grow-ins of like things like Bermuda, Zoysia grass, and Cetraspalum, and St. Augustine. Yeah. I, I did those. And the thing is, is that that's just advanced level stuff. Uh, laying down sod is easy button by comparison. Yeah, I, I, I think the it'll be good. The sod's a good learning curve to start with, and then scale it from there so all right what other questions and again i'm not pushing you but any other questions anything we didn't cover 
listen, you always you you get to the end of these, and I guarantee you, like we have guest emails all the time, like, dude, I did so bad, or I forgot this, I didn't say this, I wish I would like. Listen, there'll be a time to come back. You're a cool dude. I appreciate everything you do. Listen, I I, I only plugged it at the beginning. I should have plugged it in the middle, but seriously, the 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 thing these guys do on Tuesday night, dudes that like drinking beer, and we like drinking beer too. Uh, and, uh, we've already had Oli on here. Who's a part of that group. Zach is a cool dude. We, you know, we wanted to have him on for a long time and I'm glad that he agreed to come on, but check out their show 10 PM Tuesday nights. I don't know if they've rock solid, rock solid on your. Man, I'm kind of cutting out for me. I was cutting out. I'm sorry. I was chopping. I was Ray. I had people. Hey, I mean, uh, check out what your son your your son is watching. I mean, <laughs> is he supposed to be in bed? <laughs> no, I'm good now. All right, listen, it's time to go to the. Uh, I don't know if it's me or I don't know if you can no, hear me. Ray. It's to me. Internet is being uh, being a punk at the moment. <laughs> all right, <laughs> it's all Listen. good. I appreciate you trying to plug it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he's back, and I've come back. It's now time. Okay. Listen, uh, again, 10 p.m. Tuesday nights. Keep off the grass podcast with Zach, all of his boys, Oli, and everybody else. How do you end it? Do you guys do you guys take a drink at the end too? You got you start with a drink, you end with a drink. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, well <laughs> don't, and, we don't really and, end and, it. Well, uh, well, I I did see the shirt though. I did see uh, my boy RK, not Ryan Nor, but my other buddy RK, who Zach knows has a uh, always finished with a blowjob yes. shirt. Yes, they have. They have that's, that's that's a that's, that's a good shirt. That's a good shirt. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to join us. Uh, we're going to go to the after show now. Zach has seen the after show, which is good for uh, one of our guests who's not been a, a part of this before. Uh, it is only adult talk, Ray. Only big boy talk. We're going to get into some of the latest and greatest lawn videos, some of the creators that are pumping out some of the biggest, stinkiest, smelliest piles of bullshit that you'll ever see. And we're <laughs> going to break it all down for you live and in person. So the way you get uh, into that. You can jump into here and uh, become a member on our YouTube channel, or we prefer if you really would go over to www.patreon.com forward slash burn return and join over there for the price of an airport beer. Might have been a 20 ounce before. It might now be an eight ounce beer, but you know what? We still appreciate the support. We love you all, and we'll see you on the next one.